Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on October the 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Game Psychologist, and with me, as always, my uh, partner on adventures? Question mark? Yeah. Uh, sure, Caffeine Rage? Question mark? Uh, on today's show, we're going to be discussing our October Game Club, which was Beacon Pines. Period. It, period. <laughs> we're going to tell y'all what... The November Game Club is... And and, bang. <laughs> indeed. And I think we'll be able to get through a discovery queue this week. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't... I don't like, just thinking about, the, about Beacon Pines and, like, the little sidekick guy, your best friend... But I I was like drawing a blank because there's the comic book and it just like I had it. Mr. Atomic, of course now I remember it. Hank Atomic. Yeah. Oh well. It is what it is. Hi. How are you? Everything's fine here. We're all we're fine. All, we're all fine. Yeah. Uh it's been you know, it's, I was talking to you before. It's been an interesting few days. We talked about some stuff that did not make it into Franken content. And then some stuff that did. So, you know, in an upcoming Franken episode, you'll get to hear us talk about Evolve. And who knows, depending on how that shakes out, it might show up in a in a show proper in a week or two. And then Scorn. I'm not going to talk about Scorn today, for those of you in the audience who knows what it is. But there's a good chance I'll be talking about it next week. I have some weird thoughts about it. Like, me as a weirdo who likes a lot of strange stuff, like not really being into it, but kind of not being able to avert my gaze. But also there's some pretty interesting deep, like psychology stuff as a part of scorn. Anyways, how are you? All right. Sitting here drinking my coffee. Right. Because, you know, it's totally normal to be drinking coffee at this hour. Yep. I had a cup of coffee before I came upstairs to get started i've got a diet coke right now so more caffeine just less in in at least this portion this 12 ounce can but you know i might have another can before we're done anyways you you want to you want to talk about beacon pines you want to do the game yeah, club? so we're gonna be jumping directly into game club yeah and game club is that time of the month on the last tuesday where we both talk about the game that we played for the previous month. We typically don't play the same game at the same time, but Game Club is that time that we come together and play a game and then discuss it. Indeed. So, for Spoopy Month, we we sat down, what, four or five weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And made a Bil- big... Uh, yeah, build a spooky list. We built a spook. We built if a spooky have, list. If you have things to add to the spooky list, we uh, will be saving uh, the spooky list and doing probably picks from that for Game Club for October uh, for the yep, foreseeable future. Foreseeable future, yeah. If if we get through every game on that list, the show will run for what another twelve years. Twelve. There's like uh, more like thirty games on there. Oh, is it really that big? 
Uh, well, I've added and uh, cleaned it up. So, okay, 30 is probably an overstatement. 20? 1, 2, 3, 4. Okay. Yeah, 20 years. Two decades. We'll be shit. We'd be in our 50s. Um, just how old do you think I am? You're in your 30s. Barely. Well, if it goes for 20, yeah, but you'd, so you'd barely be in your 50s. I, I would almost be in my 60s. Yeah, but you'd still be in your 50s. Almost 60 is still in your 50s. Yeah, but you make it sound like I'm, yeah, like I'm barely there. No, no, you're, you're, we're old men and you're an older man than I, so. Yeah, you should get off my fucking lawn. I will. That made me get the super soaker. <laughs> you can't threaten me with a good time. And All that is gun. is a... Uh, still, still can't threaten me with a good time. With the pepper balls. Uh, getting less fun. Less good. Spicy. Anyways, so yeah, for Spoopy Month this month, we played Beacon Pines. Beacon Pines is a very cute, um, but also somewhat deeply disturbing and uh what's the word evocative um mm-hmm. story choose your own adventure style storybook adventure yeah um, i've it, seen some discussions on just how to describe it and my favorite one is winnie the pooh beats twin peaks yeah that's that's a pretty good pretty good descri- description um, Beacon Pines is an extreme, I mean, the whole game is, is story. There's a couple of sort of mini games that could be discussed spoiler free, but this, this game club is going to be fairly heavy spoiler laden throughout. Yeah. So should I we think, just go with, uh, our, yeah, primary thoughts on worth it or not, uh, yes. before diving into any spoilers? Let's start there. Um, Rage, you go first. I think it is worth the asking price if you're big into story-based games. If you're not, then I would say wait for a sale. I do have some issues with the game, which we'll be discussing later on. But it is also somewhat short, and there's not really a reason to go back to it. So there is that. Yeah. I, I loved this game. Um, two thumbs up. It's on, I would say the short list, but I was talking about it and there's like three or four games on the short list, which is basically a third of the year worth of game club games. Um, yeah, it's been a good year for game club mostly for me though. It stands out as being excellent in a year of good game club picks. Or um, that could just be, you know, the most recent game that we've played too, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to give it some deep thought when it comes time to actually choose for this year's VGL Awards, but anyways... Go sit on the toilet with a newspaper, think about it. Of course, of course. But I, I agree with you that if you like story games, you know, story-based games, um, it is worth the full price if, you know, if you're not using Game Pass or something like that. Yeah, it's um, definitely worth playing if you have Game Pass. I oh, would yeah. highly recommend it there. Hundred uh, percent. If you are have any interest in uh, this, is not quite there. But if you have an interest in visual novels, and you want to have using the term "baby's first visual novels" doesn't really send the message of what this game is. 
but having a kind of a beginner course into what a visual novel is, this is actually a really good place to go with it, even though it's not technically fully on vi- full on visual novel. There's a lot of sections that pretty much is. Yeah. If if you don't have Game Pass and you're you're going to be purchasing this game and you're not hugely invested in story games, I think it's easily worth ten dollars. It's it's about depending on how slow slowly you go through it, how much you take your time to sort of explore every corner of the world. Um that gives the wrong impression. Depending on how thoroughly you go through each of the sections of the game, uh, interacting with all of the characters and looking around for what I'll call collectibles for now to avoid any mm-hmm. spoilers. Um, you get about five five hours of gameplay out of it, and I don't think there's much replayability um, because of one of the main mechanics of the game. Um limits its replayability factor but still i think that the experience Mm -hmm. is solid enough that it's worth 10 bucks to someone who's not sure and five bucks to someone who generally doesn't like this kind of game because the story is so good i have a few minor gripes with it Mm -hmm. but again i I can't talk about those gripes may overlap uh how how long to beat puts uh the game uh, rushed at about four and a half hours, which feels about right with uh, a leisurely uh, going anywhere to seven to eight hours. Oh man, I couldn't imagine playing this for eight hours. I, I, I would played... imagine uh, there's a few mini game sections that you could go back to uh, with extra collectibles to that gives more stuff. So there is that. Yeah, I felt like I took my time and went through it very leisurely, mm-hmm. and I only played for about five and a half or six hours. See, I don't have a, a good timing on mine, because I left. I accidentally left the game running in the background, and went to make dinner, came back, and had to shut down the computer, and realized I had left it on. Can you see on I, the I, Xbox I, app how I, long... I, I thought there was a way to see it, but I guess not. And I wasn't really keeping track otherwise. I just the reason that I know is that I um I started playing Saturday afternoon at about four o'clock. I played for about an hour and then I had to take my kid to a fun night that his taekwondo uh dojo was doing. So I dropped him off and I came back home and played for another three hours, then went and picked him up, put him to bed, and then played for about another hour and a half. So that's yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five like to six hours. Days. Yeah. Uh I- because I just wanted to split it up a little bit more. Yeah. Because the game does get rather intense. It does have some very intense moments. Like, it, it does was... not pull any punches. Oh, so... here we go. Time played, 5 hours and 45 minutes. Uh, so if you, go, if you go look at the achievements, it tells you. I knew that there was probably a way... Okay, so I left it on, and I'm right at 7 hours. Yeah. So I'm probably at, like, 5 uh, for actual gameplay. Yeah, it seems about right. I, there was a f- quite a few times that I just you know would go from one story beat to the next without really exploring. Yeah, I'm. Ha- I have eight of the ten achievements. Apparently, I missed two. two uh, I missed three. They're all annoyingly secret achievements. So, yeah, could go look in an achievement list online. But anyways, yeah. I so both of us have this in a recommend category. This is a must play if you have Game Pass. 
or if you really like storytelling, you know, story-based games or sort of choose-your-own-adventure-style games. Um, and then as a strong recommend to anyone who doesn't have Game Pass or who doesn't love that type of game. A couple of caveats, but we can't talk about them without mm-hmm. getting hugely into spoiler ter- territory. Speaking so, of which... Yeah, this is this is it. We're about to basically ruin the entire game if you haven't played um, but are interested in playing. So. Yeah, if you have uh, even a slight interest in this game, pause here, come back later after you finish the game. We'll wait. Yeah, we we will wait. Well, for a little bit. Right, I I, I will have to go to bed eventually. Okay, well, I can just fall asleep at my desk again. Yeah, uh, wake up, uh, there's miniature uh, uh, paint all over your face. Uh, there's a uh, back glued to your forehead. Yep. I gotta take some pictures. I should take some pictures and post them in Discord of, of what I've been making so far. Had a had a little bit of a rough start, but I've gotten much better at setting up the prints so that they don't have weird... One, so that they don't fail, or so that they don't have weird issues, but... All right, we've we've waited long enough. Yep. Yeah. So, where to start? Right, because that's also kind of the issue with this is once you get to a certain point, the game branches. Here's here's what get what Xbox Game Pass gives you is a description of the game. Beacon Pines is a cute and creepy adventure game. Sneak out late, make new friends, uncover hidden truths, and collect words that will change the course of fate. The the premise. Let's start with the premise. So Beacon Pines, like we said, is a choose-your-own-adventure game. And the way that it handles the trope of, you know, you turn, you know, do the thing, turn to page 78, oh, you died, go back, is that Beacon Pines tells a story out of order it does non-linear storytelling in a compelling way that makes sense by you at the the player character and we'll talk about this the characters you know when we get to them but by you the player character as you play through you you get words um they, they use the term charms they call them charms yes but they are words that have a very deep powerful emotion or feeling or evocation to them or they're just um, shit. Or, or they're just one of them is just shit but you these Which words are funny uh, right there that was uh the where it's like you can be a little shit and you kick your best friend's sister in the shins and then run away beautiful but but i mean that's essentially that's how it works um in that one choice, for example, the first time you play through, you only have one word you can use. And this is kind of the training wheels portion at the early at the beginning of the game. You only have one word you can use, which is chill. And so you try to play it cool with your friend's sister to get your friend essentially out of having to do some chores, and she doesn't buy it, and so they leave. And then when you come back around later after you've got another word, specifically shit, you um then you can choose to use that word in place of chill. And so there's a storyteller who reads the story, who, who's reading the story to you. And, you know, it'll, it'll be like, so the only way that I knew how to handle it was to be a little shit. And then it plays <laughs> out differently. And your character kicks her in the shins and you run away with your friend to go do the thing. So that, but that's for the entirety of the game. And that's how it handles the choose your own adventure style thing. And there are many moments when you will fail, you will get an ending that's a failure, but it's oh, intended. Many, many, many. 
Yeah, many, many, many times. There's only one true ending, one sort of, you know, yeah. correct path. Yeah, um, even at the end, there's only one correct ending mm-hmm. that will get you the epilogue. Otherwise, you know, it's just uh, the narrator kind of butting in saying, no, that's not quite right. Yeah. Which um, I, did find, I did find the narrator, especially at the beginning, annoying. Oh, from the moment she started, I found the narrator charming. I, I think it's just, yeah, things started to get going, then she stops uh, uh, everything. If they start to get going again, she stops it. I think she just popped up one or two uh, too many times for me at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, which just, I found a little a little annoying. But whenever, you know, it got to the point, uh, it got to that branching point, and uh, you go down essentially one of the two paths, which uh, we can't really talk about the charms without talking about the tree as well. So as you build your charms and go through the different decisions of the game, you're also building this forking path, which eventually reveals itself to be a tree. And you have the very first choice that, you know, it doesn't matter at all. You know, it's your, your tutorial choice. Yeah. Uh, the uh, illusion of choice. Right. And you can do whatever you want there. Then you have, with Roxy, uh, Rolo's sister, uh, the be a little shit or be a, a little chill, which sets you down two different, essentially, limbs of the tree that uh, tells the uh, narrative. And every decision from that point on is a different branch. And it shows very well sort of the overarching structure of what most visual novels are, where it's a fork you know, tree where sometimes things loop back around. Uh, in this case, it doesn't, but uh, it gives, that's why I wanted to compare a bit to a visual novel is because it has that built right into it where you can jump from decision to decision, especially after you hit a dead end and it gives you one or two extra charms that you could use elsewhere. Yeah. And you, you find the charms by, both exploring the world. There's a town that you're in, the town of Beacon Pines. Mm-hmm. Um, you can explore the town, and there are various areas in the town that you can go to. It's fairly contained. It's not like it's a giant map, but yeah, there's... it's probably what a dozen different screens. Yeah, uh, in the different... main town. Yeah, um, and you can go through them all really quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's exploring around and H, you know, interacting with different objects to get history of the town or little quips from the main character, whose name is Luca. The main character is Luca. Uh Luca Um, Van Horn. Yep. And, um, you know, you get various quips from him or observing other people and listening to their conversations. butts in and says something. Which, which after the very beginning, she does so less often. Yeah, and, and towards the middle to end of the game, she really only speaks when you get to the end of a of a particular branch or a particular line of choices usually to comment on the ending that you just received i will say that that i think is done better than any game i've ever seen that does this kind of thing because everything is different normally games that i've played whether it's like there's a choices you can make and you know if a choice is wrong or if it gets Mm -hmm. you killed it's like "Mm," you know they will have some sort of repeating phrase or series of phrases of like i don't think that's actually how that went or you know, that's, um, uh, 
you know, to have another, you know, whatever. Just like something that's that repeats over and over again. That's like, nah, that's I'm, not what happened. I, I remember uh, Bastion, whatever you'd kind of go off the, the trail. It would basically have the narrator say, no, that's not right. Or, yeah, I'm just joking with you. Yeah. It's kind of like this, but not really. Yeah, every everyone is is unique that that she says, and depending on the ending that you're getting, some of them are a little more quirky, some of them are a little more sad. Um, yeah, the uh, best ending for one of the paths, uh, or one of the branches. I, like I said, uh, essentially the story kind of pivots around this one choice at the very beginning to go into like two main different directions. And the best choice for one of them uh, kind of pokes fun at the idea of building an entire series. Yeah. Uh, over cliffhangers. Yep. E- even though the game kind of does that anyway. It does. It absolutely does that at the end. It, it tries to have its cake and eat it too. But it also doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a unsatisfactory ending to build on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's very much a postscriptum cliffhanger. But the main okay, let's see. We're we're kind of talking around this and it might be yeah. confusing to someone who maybe hasn't played but wasn't no, interested no, no, in no, playing. No, we're doing it done literally. True. The story, the main throughput of the story for the game is that you, the main character, Luca, his his father died and his mother has gone missing. And it's, you know, at sort of an 80s style, like it's summer, the kids are trying to occupy themselves. There's this mystery that pops up at an old warehouse that's like glowing green. And you go to investigate that. One thing leads to another. And it's a, you know, very shady corporation who's doing weird science experiments. And there's this green goo that makes things age rapidly and mutate. And you're trying to find out what the green goo is to stop the the evil corporation from destroying your town. And then you eventually you or find out world. that actually it's going to lead to the destruction of the world if you don't stop it. And then you stop it and you get your mom back and you make peace with the fact that your dad is now dead. That is the general throughput of the story. And it takes many, many twists and turns. In the way that it's told, as we said, the choose your own adventure, these choices you make lead to wildly, sometimes wildly different outcomes. But it all comes together to service the same overall story, which is Luca's adventure and growth as a person into somebody who feels lost and who feels like a nobody into them as a hero and what it means to be a hero that you don't have to be big and strong and, you know, crazy or whatever. You just have to be kind and compassionate and intelligent and work together with a group of people who you all support each other to save the day. Um, some of the choices, for example, the one that we've talked about, you know, playing it cool with your friend Rolo's sister or being a little shit and kicking her in the shins results in like the, the, the first major story branch, which is you either go to investigate the warehouse by yourself or you go with your friend Rolo. And it makes you go by yourself the first time. And this is how you learn about the endings that result in you know, in failure. So you go and you investigate 
and there's a guy that comes out in a yellow hazmat suit and he captures you and he brings you inside. And the implication is that you're killed. And the narrator's like, oh no, that was not good. Uh, you know, this is what I was talking about. Let's go back and see what happens if you do something different. And that's where you get the word shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so you go back and then you're a little shit to his sister and you kick her in the shins. And it completely and, changes it. And it complete yeah, it changes everything. Um, and so because you go with Rolo, he's there and he, um, there's some things. And, that are comp- well, well, one thing I want to highlight before uh, is that we are aware that things change. All the characters are not aware that things have changed. This yeah. is not one of those, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, fourth dimensionally <laughs> aware characters that it's like, okay, well, if I do, uh, this went bad this way, let me do it this way. No, uh, Luca has no idea that, you know, uh, he got murdered several different times in sometimes some rather gruesome ways. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. That's one of my gripes. I'm not sure if this game maintains internal consistency on that. But I don't think it matters ultimately because it still tells the cohesive story it's trying to tell. Mm -hmm. But I'm not so sure about that. And there's very clearly the one character who shows up that I think is supposed to be the narrator or is supposed to be Uh, a representation. (laughs) Yeah, or supposed to be a representation of us, the player. But, you know, we'll get there. Um but, you know, then you go back with Rolo to the the warehouse, the creepy, you know, green glowing warehouse. And because he's there, you're able to, you know, hide in the dumpster and the guy doesn't catch you and he dumps a dead body on you mm-hmm. and that freaks the kids out and they run away. Rolo gets caught, but you don't. Um... Which leads to its own set of branching paths later on. The game... I've seen this talked about in game design before, and and it makes sense in these choose your own adventure games that you start narrow, you go extremely wide, and you eventually bring everything back narrow again to the end until there's one or two mm-hmm. main endings. And this game very rapidly branches out into multiple paths because you're jumping around between these realities of like yeah, which some of them uh, end really abruptly. Some of them do end really abruptly, but you know, you you're playing around in the reality for a while where that you, you each you were that you went together, but then it turns out he was captured and you weren't. And you spend some time trying to find him and you meet a new character, which is the third character in your trio. There's three, you know, there's, there's Luca, which is your character. Mm -hmm. And then there's the main supporting characters, which are his best friend, Rolo and his new friend, Beck, who he, he meets and makes. Yeah. Beck um, is the new girl in town. Yeah. Um, and then you do some stuff with Beck. Um, and then it pulls you back into the reality where you went by yourself, but because you learned a new word, you're able to investigate and not get captured and killed. Uh, no, 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 you fight back and uh, escape. Yeah. Or, well, that's, not, that's uh, yeah. You, you get the new action to fight. And so when yeah. you go and get captured, then. You you fight back against him, and so you're able to to survive and escape on your own, mm-hmm. and you follow that branching path for a long time, which leads to an additional branch between your relationship with Rollo and Beck, because you um, meet Beck in a different way in this timeline. 
Yeah. And so then you go back to her parents' house and you get to meet her mom's. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to call it out here. I'm going to do the thing that like, I love that this game is just like Beck has two moms and nobody says anything about it. It's just normal. I love seeing uh, yeah, that. Yeah. Luca just says your moms are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love that. Um, but so anyways, too. they are cute. Well, they're cats. Um, uh, actually is one of Beck's moms, a mouse. Like one of them is very clearly another cat, but the other one, I couldn't tell if she was a cat or a mouse. Because Beck is a cat, you're mm. you're a deer. Yeah. Rolo is a fox, and then Beck is a cat. Oh, by the way, they're animals. We're animal people. I don't think we said that at all. Well, well I did highlight Winnie the Pooh. So you did you did say that. Um, but there's the so there's the branching path there where that um you you do go to dinner with Beck, but in one of the branches it rains and so you're stuck at Beck's house for a long time and Rolo gets mad at you. Because you made a new friend, and he feels insecure about that, and you guys have a big fight. And then there's one where that you take Beck back to your secret tree house um, called Mission Control by the kids, which is very cute, very eighties. Well, um, well, the game really uh, uh, nails you know that kind of childhood behavior too, you know. Yeah, and it, it's because great they have too. that big fight, and it yeah, it feels realistic. <laughs> It does. And on top of that, the kids like have these big grand ideas about this stuff that they're going to make. And then like, it looks terrible and half of it doesn't work. But to the kids, it's amazing because they built it. You know, there's this big buildup where it's like, I've got the defense cannon for the mission control and you shoot it at someone. And it, I mean, honestly, it could have just made a fart sound like that would have, would have fit in the scene, you know, like it just kind of plops out onto the ground, like this little like harpoon type thing just plops out onto the ground and everyone's like, well, that's rude. That's kind of anticlimactic, <laughs> but like and to it, the kids, you know, it's uh, a legit the army defense clipboards, cannon. Uh, <laughs> start climbing the ladder. Yes. The army of clipboards, which is that that's, you know, evil corporation, like, mm-hmm. Literal evil corporation. Um, but at this point, you're you're starting to understand more and more. And every time you go to a different branch of, like you said, you know, the player learns more while the characters don't seem to show any awareness of the knowledge. It's just the player. But you see characters and you start to act suspicious and feel suspicious of them and maybe investigate them a little more closely than you were before. Thinking differently about the interactions that you have with these characters. And you learn, as as you start investigating, you learn um, about the goo and what the goo is. And it's some thing that's man-made mixed with this substance that comes from some kind of magical underground cave that they call the Source. Yeah. And it controls the flow yeah, which of they time. Never, which they never really go into what the Source actually is. Just, th- it was something that, well, okay. The previous cor- uh, evil corporation. <laughs> yeah. Because there was the Valentines that uh, the founder of them died, which we'll get to. Uh, and essentially, from the sounds of it, his uh, heirs just messed things up with the formulation of their fertilizer. Uh, which caused what they call the foul harvest, which basically just poisoned the land. Then this other totally not evil corporation, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, 
comes in, moves everybody out of town for a couple of days to clean up the town, but the land is just not as good as it used to be. This fertilizer has poisoned the land. Yeah, it's totally the fertilizer that did that. And, yeah, there's just uh, no crops. Uh, The town's failing because of it. Uh, People are trying to latch on to this, uh, yeah, corporation that's, you know, kind of propping up the town, but not really. While they're trying to formulate, you know, what the Valentines were doing to make their own fertilizer to uh, sell to a broader market than just, you know, this little area that uh, the Valentines had uh, uh, focused on. So, yeah, right? Yeah. So, the, uh, but yes, the sword, that sword, source. Sword, the source, the the source, whatever it is, this magical mm-hmm. entity or weird science phenomenon, whatever it happens to be, can control time or manipulate time, and so that the evil corporations were harvesting it um, and turning it into their essentially their super fertilizer, but it wound up just poisoning the land, as you said. Mm-hmm. And your your characters start to learn about this, and as that mystery sort of expands. You realize that your grandmother is involved in a conspiracy to take down the corporation. Well, at first, it's not clear that she's uh, against it. She uh, is obviously up to something. Yes. And then there's suspicion cast. Like, is she actually working with them? Because she's seen working with um, uh, the, the, Valentines. Uh, the Valentines. So it's like, is she working with the bad guys? Is she working against them? Like, what's she doing? And so Luca feels conflicted about this mm-hmm. and is trying to sort that out as well. Which, did they ever clear up exactly why she was working with uh, the Valentines? So she was working with the Valentines. My understanding is that she was working with the Valentines to gain access to their resources mm-hmm. in order to get the things that she needed, the explosives and... But um, the Valentines were ha- unaware exactly what she was trying to do. Yes, I think the Valentines, because the Valentines were unaware that, um... Oh, what's his name? The the main bad guy. Solomon? The the kid who turned out to be... Uh, yeah, spoilers. The, who yeah, turned out to the be the thing. dead... The dead I mean, pretty much once family. you start talking about, you know, uh, things, uh, uh, you know, changing age, right? Yeah, so so the Valentine... I, I was suspecting that uh, the founder, you know, wasn't dead, but I wasn't expecting the kid. Yeah, so let's, let's just very quickly. So the Valentines, there's Sharper Valentine, which was mm-hmm. the dad, the patriarch, the one who discovered the the source and built his company around it then he air quotes dies although it's never made clear what i think of it as best as i can tell his head scientist sabotaged the formula and so it turned him back into a kid mm-hmm. instead of just making him youthful again so he faked his death so that his children who are named eris and augustus <laughs> uh would take over his company and run the town and they fucked it all up. And so he yeah. comes back as Solomon, which is this kid who is supposed to be like a yeah, bastard which was, son. Which he did build into his will that uh, they had to take care of this kid. They had no idea that it was their father that they were taking care of. 
Yes. While uh, Gus was you know, try, trying to be mayor, but never really felt like he was in, you know, cut out for the job. Yes. I, I, I do feel bad for Gus. Harris, yeah, was a total snob. <laughs> yeah. I think Gus just wanted to be a, a normal person. Mm-hmm. But, but, he but, was so less, it, uh, but he was forced to be mayor because that's what his dad was. Yeah. And so your 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 grandmother, Gran, uh that's that's what she's called the whole the whole game. Care to guess who that is? <laughs> that's your mother. It it is. It actually is his mother. Um t- time time travel, timey wimey. But anyway, so Gran, I believe, was working with air quotes the Valentines to get access to their their resources and then double cross them and then double cross them because gran drops bombs into the source and blows it up but she doesn't realize that doing so causes a cascade event that flash freezes the entire area we're yeah. not it's not made clear how much that big freeze does but at the very least it takes out the town yeah but boy that first time it happens though huh it catches you huh yeah is that this the first? Hang on. Is the first time it happens when you're with Rolo? Is that the first time? Like the I two of you so. are in the treehouse together, and it comes and uh, it- after after you uh, reconcile with Rolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. think that is because so, all the all the failures before that, it was like you know getting captured or you know stuff like that. So this game has several gut punches. Like it. Oh boy. So. What what we're talking about is after the story branch where that you get stuck at Beck's house and Rolo gets mad at you and feels insecure that you've made a new friend and you guys fight and he says some nasty shit about your dad who in the, you know like we said in the story your character's dad died yeah and um, mind you all the uh, the three the the trio of main characters are middle schoolers yeah yeah uh, probably about. 10 ish. It, it calls out um, Luca at one point says that he's 12. Okay. Oh, I don't think we get a specific age for Rolo or Beck, but I just assumed that they were all the same age. Okay. I can't recall exactly an age. I do remember them saying middle school. So, yeah. Some somebody says Lu- Luca tells somebody that he's 12. When they <laughs> ask how old he is, he tells them that he's 12. So, yeah. Tempers flare very easily. And Rolo has kind of an inferiority complex because of how Beck uh, treats him as a friend, and he never feels like he does good enough. And uh, I'm oh, sorry, how uh, Luca treats Rolo as a, uh, a friend, and he never feels like he's does good enough uh, to uh, Luca. Yeah. Uh, in return, so when he sees Beck, uh, you know, uh, being friendly as well. Uh, he just blows up because he doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. I mean, it's very sweet when they uh, reconcile because, you know, it, you realize just how much uh, you know, Luca means to Rolo. Yeah, and vice versa, and how much mm-hmm. they really know each other well. Rolo sends Luca on this scavenger hunt across town solving riddles to apologize. They apologize to each other and then spend an afternoon together just playing around. And then they're in their treehouse together, and there's the, the the explosion and like the small earthquake and that like, happens. W- like, what is that? Uh, you know, fireworks? 
Yeah. And then a wave of cold rushes across the screen and freezes both of them to death. Like 12 year old kids freezes them to death. And the narrator has, I don't remember what she says specifically, but she has something where she comments on it and how sad it is like sad and beautiful. It is that this Mm -hmm. pair after reuniting will now be entombed in ice forever. Mm. Um, as, as best friends. And like, that was one of the first times that I teared up in this game. One of the other times I teared up is that later on, there's another character that we haven't talked about yet. This is one of the more, I guess, support. I mean, oh, the, I, think, uh, I think I know what you're going to be. T- t- the whole TV. Yeah. TV tropes calls this character a notable child or notable children. Iggy. Yeah. So Iggy is the, I guess you could say the stereotypical bully who has mm-hmm. had a sort of lonely and hinted at bad home life. And so they're a bully because they don't know they're how bored. to. They're bored and they don't know how to interact with other people. And, and so their one friend doesn't really interact all that much. Yeah. Um, so Iggy, he's he's a bully. And in the storyline where you interact with Iggy the most, Iggy gets pushed down into some of the goop and gets mutated and, and made to be a bit older. Um, uh, but, but not but not, not, not completely. It's like one eye, some of uh, Iggy's teeth. Iggy gets basically looks like uh you know like a reject mutant. Yeah. Um and so you Iggy is being chased by the evil corporation. What are they? Perennial something or other? Perennial harvest. Perennial harvest. So evil corp number two is trying to chase him down and he hides in your treehouse and you find him and you guys escape together and you escape to the original town which had frozen over as a result of the the source yeah, that, and that's how a, much... Yeah, that's another kind of question mark. <laughs> like, why that happened. They, yeah. they never really explain it, which... So... You, know, it, does it, you don't really have to explain it to for it to make sense when the you know, evil corporations are mining it and tampering with the, what... What Deus Ex Machina called a closed system. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the explanation that's given is basically, like, they 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 messed with it. And when they messed with it, it behaved kind of unpredictably and and fought back. And this is how it, it freezes everything around it. And so you, you get there, you learn a lot about Iggy, or a little bit about Iggy. You build a little bit of a relationship with them. You start to become friends. And then one of the bad guys, whose name is Crass Kerr, his name is Kerr, um, shows up with some guards and fights you over um, some fireworks that Iggy has and threatens to drop into the hole. And they wind up going over the edge and Luca is holding on to them. So Kerr is holding on to Iggy and Iggy is holding on to Luca. And they're essentially begging Kerr to just sacrifice himself for the kids and Kerr refuses. And Iggy is begging Luca to drop them. Like, let me do this one thing right in my life. Let me, you know, fix this. And you can choose to, to hold on to them and call for backup from the other bad guys to come help or to drop them. And the, the right quote unquote, the right choice is to drop him to yeah. let go and 
boy, does it not hold back on the seriousness of that decision. Uh-huh. I also cried at that one. I mean, just damn. Yeah. Um, the game tried... That's the one where the game tries to punctuate it with the joke of, mm-hmm. you know, this leads to the unlimited sequel loops. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, the, where... I can't even think of the character's name, but it's basically... They show up only in this one like little area on this branch, and it feels like they're making fun of the Deus Ex Machina character. Yeah, you know, uh, come in and all knowing uh, to uh, uh, solve everything and uh, beacon to uh, beacon ponds to ponds harder or something like that. Yeah, uh, I'm looking through the character list to see which one it is. I I, I, can't, I don't see them on here. And considering they only show up for a split second, you know? Yeah. That does make me think of... I'm going to talk about some symbolism and some other stuff in this Mm -hmm. later. And if I remember, I'll bring this up then. But, yeah. So, during that one branch is when they show up. And that's when you get the explanation about what the source is. Like, the brief explanation. Yeah, and that's um, the, the best ending that you could get. From Luca going to explore alone that one warehouse, and yeah. how everything kind of hinges on that one interaction with Roxy. Yeah, and so then it swings back around. You going to explore with Rolo, and now that you've got more charms, which give you more choices, you can you know interact with more people in more ways and uh, escape capture a second time because that's how that branch ends originally rollo's lost and you're looking for him and you run into oh uh, the, sh- the shopkeeper yeah the the elderly shopkeeper who turns out to be working for the bad guys and when you reveal to him what you know he captures you and it throws you into the tunnels and yeah throws he throws you into the dungeon um and then that's where that branch kind of ends the first yeah, time. And, so you, yeah, and, and it's stuck there for quite a while, actually. Yeah. So you, you come back to that point, and you, because you have a different choice, you can get away from him. It's, at first, you rec- you think of, like, the way that it plays out is that you, you know, your character looks deep into his eyes, and it first feels that there's shame that he did something wrong, which I think is there, too. I, I think mm-hmm. that's real. But going with that choice means but that he you... was also greedy on it. Yeah. That's kind of the other thing is that yes, he was uh, ashamed of what he did, but he also profited from it. Yeah. But so going with the sa- the shame choice, you think that he's safe. And so you tell him what, you know, and he turns out to be a bad guy. And then going with the other option, you essentially lie to him and you get yeah. away. And then, then you get to meet Beck again in this path. And, um, I don't know, you've already met Beck. Right. Yeah. So this, this is this is when I really started to get a little confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This highlights my my biggest beef, and it's fairly minor, but whatever it makes some wide uh, tr- uh you know, uh jumps from the tree. Especially whenever you have to go all, all the way back to essentially the beginning of the story. It took me quite a while to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I and I played this thing essentially in one sitting. I had two about thirty minute breaks in the middle of my playthrough, and I just left. You know, I I left and then came straight back and and went back to playing again. And I got lost and confused a couple of times and had to think like, 
where am I? What's going on? Who knows what? When? And here's the thing is that they could have easily just had some sort of list along with the tree of the decisions that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you have you have your little your little menus too. You can pull up one menu to see the charms that you've got, and the one menu to view the tree at any time. Add a third menu that's like what the you story know, so far. The story so far for the branch that you're on. That would have been really useful and would have solved a lot of confusion. And also, this is where I'm saying I'm not sure, and th- this is because I got a little lost. I'm not sure though if the characters actually genuinely throughout the whole story have no comprehension of what's going on as you jump from timeline to timeline or you know if they do or if they don't because i got a little lost and i'm like wait is that person supposed to be there are they supposed to know that are they supposed to just interact yeah i I think they're pretty consistent i didn't really uh yeah nothing really jumped out at me but like i said i also got confused a, a couple times of okay what path am i on because at one point I had, there was one point that I had two choices of where to go, and I went with the similar one. Then when I had to go all the way back, that's when I got really confused. But the game is, for, this is kind of my other beef with the choice system. For all the promise of essentially a non-linear gameplay, the game is actually really linear. <laughs> Yeah, the game yeah. is is non-linear yeah. storytelling, but the gameplay is very linear. Yeah, it 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 talks about yeah, you know, be able to go back and make choices, but you honestly never really do outside of maybe once or twice of where you want to go, but you always have you know just one spot that I should say you usually have one spot that you could go to with one new charm to use. Uh, to start opening up another branch that, uh, if it you know is another failing one, which you know most of the time it is until yeah you know, the very end, of course. Yeah, there's always uh, one right choice. There might be some additional choices you can make to you know get a different failure state. Um, which but there's always can only be one interesting. Right yeah, but there's only always one right. Choice. I would have liked to seen. Uh, more options to get to that good ending. It would have been more interesting to me, you know? Yeah. It it didn't it doesn't have to be uh, like a full on secondary path. It could have been just a well, I want to do it this way. Yeah. And from the sound from the sounds of it, it sounds like the game actually got cut down a bit and there's quite a few charms that just are never used, which thinking about it, I think I had a couple that I never used. Yeah, there's a few. So I went back. So there's there's a fishing mini game. We haven't yeah. talked about this at all yet. There's a yeah, fishing mini game. Really, I didn't really do much with that one. So I, I mean, unless I just missed some charms in the game, I went back to the fishing mini game. And some of the charms that don't get used anywhere else are part of the fishing mini game to recover different or to fish out different items from the lake. Um, I think I completed the full set, but I'm not sure. And they're just little bits of flavor dialogue that you can hear from your dad about different characters that you meet or different storytelling bits and bobs that come into That's play. That's probably the achievement that you have that I don't because I didn't uh, complete the fishing minigame. There was supposed to be a cooking minigame as well, which I would assume it would be with your mom probably at the diner because one of the things that they go over quite a few times is you and your mom used to help at the diner when you were just a, you know, a little fluff ball. Yeah, 
But I could um, easily see that's where the other one would have probably been. But sadly, yeah, I didn't make the final cut. Yeah. But um, this this part of the story, by and large, has to deal with you first finding Rolo, who was in, um, who was underground and had yeah, been got captured. He got captured, and he was given a dose, like a to drink, of, I guess as a as a guinea pig to test to make sure the formula was working, mm-hmm. and it makes him into a teenager or a young adult. Um, like in yeah, body, I'll take it, t- it a pretty much adult. Yeah, in in body, his mind is still the same, but his body has aged, you know, by a decade roughly. And everyone is, you know, freaked out at this, but they all very quickly accept it. That gets hand waved in what feels like again true '80s kid adventure well, well, movie well, style. Well, Luca pretty much accepts it right away after Rolo proves that it's Rolo. Yeah. And uh, Beck had never really met Rolo before this point, so it's like, why are you hanging out with the old dude? <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, Rolo like it just hand waves like, yeah, he went home and he convinced his family that it was him. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, I got sure. a ghost for it. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then it's uh, it's there's several there's a decent chunk of it that's '80s movie style kid. It's not a montage, but it feels like a montage of like, all right, we've all got our plans, and we're going to go do them. We're going to go investigate. And so they go on that investigation, and then they recruit people to help them. They ultimately decide that they need to break into the perennial whatever headquarters to rescue Beck's mom, who's a scientist. Beck has a scientist mom. And sort of, a, I guess you could say, like a farmer, a gardener, a gardener mom. Yeah, one's sign- working for the Valentines, one's working for uh, perennial harvest. Yeah, and so you've got to go rescue Beck's mom, and also try to find evidence um, of of wrongdoing that perennial harvest is doing. And um, so you you plan for the heist. You do your research. You plan for the heist. You go pull off the heist. Yeah, well, you also got to recruit other characters first. You do. You got to recruit other characters first to help you, and it's all of the characters you made along the way, or meet along, not all, but several of the characters you meet along the way. Beck's other mom helps. Um, You recruit Iggy and Iggy's friend that's a rhinoceros. Um, Mm. Is that Tish? Yeah. Yeah, Tish. Um, You recruit Jeff, who is... Probably my he's he's I, I thought oh, of Jeff yeah. as your spirit animal. Uh, oh, definitely the grumpy, cynical old guy who just wants to get candy. <laughs> so everything <laughs> he's doing, he's always just trying to get candy. Uh, but also kind of cool. Yeah, he's he's cool. Um, and then you recruit Rolo's sister and another another character who comes up a couple of times. Uh, uh her friend or. Yeah, her Roxy's uh Rolo's sister Roxy and her friend, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. And I'm I'm like I'm looking here, I don't know which one is her. But you know, they, they all help you out t- to pull off the heist. And this is where that it's um revealed to so you've already learned as the player through one of the previous branches that uh Sharper is Solomon. So Solomon, the kid, 
sharper, the the yeah, cynical old bastard. Yeah, at this point, Luca is just oblivious that sharper is, yeah, not a good guy. Yeah, Luca wants to believe the best out of everybody. That very sort of he's still got that childish um, mm-hmm. trust or or care for others and wants to believe the best in them. Um, and so you run into Solomon in the building, and Solomon is playing, you know, playing like, oh, yes, I was captured, and I was trying to escape. And Luca's like, stick with me, buddy, we'll set you, we'll keep you safe. Oh, sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. And then Solomon, you know, tries to essentially foil their plans, and then lets his security guards in to, um, capture them and lock them up. He takes the formula, like the refined formula that lets him control his age. And it's revealed earlier in the story that like, if you don't intervene, he has perfected it so that he can go back to being his sort of prime adult age. And he reveals to the town, like, yes, I have done this and I'm going to sell the ability to control time to the masses. Uh, no, 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 no. He, uh, he was keeping that to himself. Uh, the big thing was essentially rebuilding his fertilizer empire and using that to expand. And uh, he was keeping the town uh, in check. So uh, the entire time, you have these weird clipboard guys called just the clipboards, all exactly identical. <laughs> and they've been polling everybody and writing literally everything down. And they, in they collected essentially the fears of the town and Solomon is going, or sorry, Sharper is going to weaponize that against the town to keep them in check so that they'll never rise up against them. But I took it as he's not going to sell his youth formula. That's his. And he's going to remain young forever. I thought, and it's possible I misunderstood, but I thought he was going to sell the youthful formula to people who could afford it and use that to keep some of his people who are loyal, loyal. Cause originally that's what he promised Kerr. Cause Kerr's mm-hmm. supposed to supposedly aging. The design for Kerr looks fairly young, but he's supposedly an aging actor. Yeah. Uh, you actually run to... into his uh, biography uh, in the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to, uh, to me, it, it just seems like he's giving it to his you know, minions, but he's not you know, giving it to anybody outside of his circle. You know, not even selling it. It's yeah. just, you know, he's going to outlast them. Right. Forever. But, so all, all of this has been revealed to the player. The characters are blissfully unaware of this fact. And so, Solomon turns on the characters. Um, or, well, Solomon, he, he doesn't turn. He's always bad. But he, you know, uses... Uh, Luca's naivety to the situation to his advantage and winds up trapping them in his office, gets the, the formula um, and then goes to do his victory lap essentially. And in this timeline, because you did every, you know, you did everything, you did all the things Beck who has been revealed to be sort of sneaky and deft Beck, you know, playing up the cat trope, which, I'm going to get too soon, yeah. but Beck being a cat <laughs> is, is, you know, supposedly swift and agile and has been shown to, um, 
to be you know pretty beguiling and intelligent. Um, well, he, well, Beck was also the one that was able to get the info from Mister Harper. Correct. Remember during the, during the interrogation. The interrogation, yeah. Because there was three different charms, one for each of the characters, and Beck was the one that was able to essentially get Mister Harper to. Uh, reveal enough to be able to continue on because Beck played him for a fool and made it sound like Beck was also on their side. Yeah. But so anyways, Beck, using some sleight of hand, is able to mess with the secret formula by dropping something in, which kind of results in the final choice of the game, um, which you can pick the things that she dropped in. And there's she could drop in cigarette ash, which turns um, Solomon slash sharper into like a dust man who blows away in the wind. Oh, snap. (laughs) Right. She can put some whiskey in it, which makes him explode. And the game shows it as in is confetti. But I like to think that's just the kids thinking about it. Like, I think that he actually exploded in like horrible, disgusting gore. (laughs) They, they went with confetti to kind of keep the age rating. Uh, Sort of like the anime version of puking a, a rainbow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or she can put, um, what's the third? Oh, she puts her unlucky penny. Yeah, that's it. something we haven't actually talked about. Was uh, Beck has her unlucky penny? It only shows up a few times, but she has a penny that she f- will flip to make a choice that does the exact opposite. Yep, she has a coin of decision making. You mm. you used to have one of those. You may yeah, still. It's in, a, it's in a box somewhere. But um, she puts her unlucky penny in, and when he drinks that, it turns him into a baby. Which makes sense, because what the formula is supposed to do is age him up into a young adult, and so when he drinks it, it turns him into a baby. Mm-hmm. And, and they, then, give the, uh, uh, they give the explanation that, well, he's essentially a blank slate now. His, uh, we believe that his infant mind uh, just can't control or can't handle all the memories from his adult form. Yeah, because he still he had all the memories and personality of his adult form when he was yeah twelve or his twelve year old form. Yeah, but right. Yeah. And, so and, and they say that well, we'll try to raise him right this time. And that that is the quote unquote good canonical ending. The the only thing that I think that we missed we kind of skipped over is whenever you find out that your grandmother is actually your mother. Mm-hmm. In one of the previous choices, you find your way to the same place where that you were at with Iggy before, at the source. And your grandmother's there, and she's arguing with your dad's mm-hmm. friend slash business partner, who, you know, they went their separate ra- ways. And um, before... It's like your dad was really righteous and uh, tried to fix things when he realized what was going on, and it got him killed. Yeah. And so when you 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 get there to the source, your grandmother is arguing with your dad's old friend, and she's put the explosives in, but she hasn't dropped in the torch to light them off yet. And they're having a huge fight. And you show up, and you listen, and then your choice is to essentially break down and cry, which honestly feels like a, a fine decision, given the situation, mm-hmm. or to start humming a song that your mom used to sing to you when she was when you were upset and if you break down and cry your grandmother's like see this is why i'm gonna do this and she throws the torch in and and not realizing 
you know, what she's doing. Yeah. Because that's, that's kind of the, what I think we should highlight over and over again. She doesn't realize that she's dooming, you know, essentially everyone. Yeah. Uh, or everyone in the game, at least. Yeah. And, but then if you hum the tune, your mom or your grandmother at the time, but then you realize it's your mom, she starts to hum the tune. And Luca's like, oh, only my mom knew this uh, no, song. No, 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 it was, uh, she called her buckaroo. Oh, was that it? Yeah, only my mom ca- and dad called me that. How could you possibly know? Well. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, well, actually, I'm your mom. And you get a little backstory on her. And she had went to go investigate what was going on a number of months or perhaps a couple of years uh, prior. Uh, it was supposed to be six months. Okay. Because remember... Uh, Grand showed up shortly after his mom disappeared. Yeah, that's and... right. So she shows up, um, but anyway, she she was exposed and aged up as well. Um, and so that's how you find out your your mom or your grandmother is actually your mother. Yeah, which on a- another timeline, uh, one of the uh, uh, during some research in the library, you find uh, your grandmother's name in an obituary and it's pretty clear that it's her so who is this that's been living with luca and they kind of leave it hanging in that one because right yeah so that's 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 the gist of the game that's the whole (laughs) pretty much the whole story laid out of course there are many details that we skipped because yeah there's no way we could go over everything but the, you know, they, then you get the good ending, and you get sort of an epilogue where you get to go through the town the next year, and you're you know you're still friends with Rolo and Beck, and yeah, you're Beck expanding. is finally completely unpacked, and yep. uh, the, uh, her family is finally stopped uh, moving around. That uh, they've uh, established a roots. new uh, yeah established a new company there uh, for essentially organic uh, fertilizer and. Uh, growing yeah and you know you you have made more friends and you've expanded the treehouse and have let everyone in all all of the other kids in the area and you know everything is happy and then the credits roll and then there's a post credit scene where that solomon it, and, it, and it says 10 years in the future so it's back to the the same model of solomon and he's for some reason kicking a soccer ball in the frozen old town and mm-hmm. he finds the source and he's like, Oh, what's this? What's what's over and here? It's, and it's glowing ominously and it's glowing ominously. And then it cuts to black mm-hmm. and, and it which, gives you a cliffhanger, I, which kills. It still has that sequel hook. Yeah. So, Oh boy. So I'm a huge I, I've talked about this many times in many previous Game Club episodes and really about other games in general. I like to study storytelling and cinematography. Um, I know it's a video game, not a movie, but there's a lot of similarities that can be drawn, at least on the core principles. And as someone who loves to tell stories anyways, as someone who who has played a bunch of tabletop RPGs, loves the storytelling and collaborative storytelling process, there are some things that to me are obvious that may have not been obvious to other people. The things that seem the most obvious to me are the fact that the animals you play or all of the animals in the game are reflective of what they're supposed to be or what we think of them as. So Luca as a deer, very docile um, sort of pack 
animal herd mentality, generally speaking, cares for one another, but can be forceful when they need to, to defend their their herd, you know, so they're, by extension, their friends and family, and that's Luca. Rolo being a fox, very cunning, and Rolo is, is shown to be sort of a silly, kind of reckless character, but several times the story shows, like, oh, he's really smart. He figures out a cipher, like, instantly to get a, a password for something. Um, he's very good at, at taking in, retaining, and then putting information into practice, even though it doesn't get the quote-unquote good or correct ending, he is able to use some skills that he's picked up from reading like detective novels and comics and stuff to interrogate Mr. Watts's face. I can't remember his name, and I'm not looking at the whole list. Beck, being a cat, is shown to be very um, at times aloof, but also very caring and loving to the the friends that she does make, um, being dexterous and very you know, very cunning in situations, able to adapt quickly and, and play off and make people like her. Um, let's see, Tish being a rhinoceros, she's like huge and is shown as being kind of brutish at first, but actually is a relatively docile creature as long as you don't provoke them. Um, the guy that I was, that I forgot his name. Iggy? Um, no, not Iggy. The squirrel man that was on your that was on Grand's you know team. Uh, Huckleby. Yeah, um, he he's a squirrel. He's shown as being very skittish and kind of flighty, um, but is is also you know very interested in the good and preservation of the community for the future. Um, trying to put things away, save them, help protect his environment. Um, the the bad guys. Uh, let's Kerr. Kerr is is a hyena. Um, so Kerr is sort of a mongrel dog, um, and also is used to to call someone who's a scoundrel or a villain. You know, and and Kerr being a hyena. Well, that's a mongrel dog, and he is a you know and a rascally, villainish, roguish, like weaselly type character. Um. The Valentines, I'm the the Valentines were dogs, right? Yeah, or were they uh, wolves? Uh, lo- uh, to me, they looked like greyhounds. They did look a lot like greyhounds. Um, I don't know a ton about greyhounds as a species. A uh, very dog, fast, very uh, prone to disease. <laughs> They're one of the more inbred ones, if I recall correctly. Okay. Uh. The thing is that Gus didn't look like the others, though. You know? Gus did not look like the others. Eris and Sharper and Solomon. Maybe the theme, maybe their theme was just dogs because Eris mm-hmm. looks like a greyhound. Solomon and Sharper made me think of a wolf, and then oh, Gus or, or, or a German Shepherd. Yeah, and then Gus was more of a like a hound dog almost. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe that's what that was representative of. Sort of Solomon and Sharper being you know, those really aggressive breeds. Eris being loyal and um, good at what she does, but being put into a position where she's not doing what she's actually good at. Um, and then Gus trying to, to be a leader, but not, because that's not what his breed of dog is represented as being. 
I'm not sure. That one I would need to to maybe roll around in my head a little bit uh, more. Okay, so what about Kato? Kato? Uh, Penguin at the library? Uh, I honestly forgot all about him. <laughs> what are penguins supposed to be? Adorable? He is adorable. I don't know if penguins are, are inquisitive animals. Probably. He's very inquisitive, very intelligent, and adorable. At least I'm... At least I think he's a penguin. I'm I'm doing some Googling for some quick information. Do <laughs> a ranger do it? Yeah. I mean, uh. it is some sort of bird. I mean, penguin looks like to me looks like it, but I could be mistaken on the type of bird. I'm now on the Beacon Pines wiki, which is not as full as I wish it was. Cato is not not on here. Of course not. Even though Kato is kind of important in a couple of the uh, story uh, branches. Yeah, Kato shows... Oh, wait, here we go. Kato, side character. Uh, He just has a page. He he has no information. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about penguins. Um, I I mean, I could be mistaken on the type of bird. And, you know, it's supposed to be some sort of, like... uh, now I'm blanking on uh, uh, birds that hoard that stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm just blanking on the species of bird. Yeah, uh, say that again. What about the bird? I was looking at uh, a bird that penguins. like hoards like pieces of uh, trash because it's shiny. Uh, I don't know what what species of bird that is, but I know birds <laughs> birds that hoard shiny things. Blue Jay, American Crow, Magpie. Magpie. That's what I was thinking of. Magpie. Let me Google Magpie. Doesn't mm. look like it to me. No, I, I I thought Kato was a penguin. Because that was that would fit your theming, but Kato's not a magpie, I don't think. So much for that. Yeah. I think I think there's gotta be some stuff in there that like I don't realize, like didn't get on a first pass. Mm-hmm. Like my point is, is that there's a lot of of thought and effort that went into the symbolism of these animals and and some of them their names. I I don't think all of them. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe there's more to some of these names than I realize. But you know, like Kerr, like hit me like immediately. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like that one, like got me like immediately. So you know, maybe not all the names, maybe not all the characters have got deep symbolism to them, but. There are quite a few that uh, I think that those were intentional. There's too much there for me to believe that it's all accident and coincidence. Mm-hmm. I-, I think perhaps the only thing that would warrant a replay of this game is if you're really, really into that and you want to dig through and find all of the symbology there. Um, there's a lot to it. I mean, you know, the game does cover some big themes, loss, um, regret, guilt, um, Conflict resolution, dealing with extreme anger, dealing with betrayal. Um, dealing with, yeah, just general loss. Yeah. And all of it through the lens of, of a 12-year-old. Or a group of 12-year-olds, I guess. Beautiful storytelling. Loved it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I just and wish it, at times that you know, told me you know, what story track I'm on. 
Yeah. And, you know, I've covered the, you know, I've already talked about the only two problems I had with the game, which is the first one was that it got a little confusing, even sitting through basically for a one sitting playthrough. I got lost a couple of times in where I was in the story. And then that led to me thinking, like, I'm not sure if this is consistent as it's if it's world building as consistent as I think it is. Because, again, I got lost. And so that could have just been a me, a me thing. It could be extremely consistent throughout. I mean, it seemed but, pretty consistent to me. But, uh, like I said, I got lost as well for, for a couple of times. So I could be mistaking as well. Because, right? Yeah. Were, were those the only issues? Or was that the only issue you had with it? Uh, that in... It felt like... It didn't really deliver on its promise of being able to choose where I want to go and do and what I want to do. But that's mostly because I think it made a promise that it didn't want to keep, you know? Yeah. Or I was reading too much into what they were wanting to do with the charm system. So I thought that, you know, I was going to, you know, pretty much have my choices before I would otherwise. Yeah. So I mean, it's, not, it's definitely not a a severe black mark, but it's a little scuff, you know. Yeah, agreed. So just um because I'm looking on the wiki, I'm looking at the achievements. So you got the seven. Yeah, um, I didn't get the f- fishing one. So yep, the fishing one is you, one. You of had them. to go back at like very late <clears throat> game. Yeah. Um, the fishing one was one of them. You got the one for watermelon bongos. Did you get that one? Uh yes, okay. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, there was the a one... couple times uh, if you found something that you could interact with, I just started hammering it. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. Um, okay. So, did you get born in a barn? I don't think so. Okay, born in a barn. This I didn't get this one. Born in a barn says that you have to leave the fridge open and the water running. Um and leave the house during a specific point, and then when you come back, Gran gets on to you for doing that and uh, says that they're not made out of money. Uh, did you get nerd? Yes. Okay. All right. the The other one that I didn't get, so I didn't get born to barn. The other one I didn't get was melon kicker. So when you've got the jam delivery basket in chapter three, if you go back to the watermelon, you can kick it instead of just slapping it, and that gives you another achievement. I didn't do that. Yeah, Otherwise, that's a very specific timing, right? Yeah. Did you watch the town history? Uh, yes. I watched it three times because I was like, maybe something's going to be different on this branch. It wasn't. It was never different. And you couldn't skip it either. That was my own bad, though. That was, that was my own fault. I mean, I didn't see a reason to watch it again because, you know, I hadn't made enough choices to feel like it would change anything. Yeah, so, um, I don't, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Do you? Not really. I mean, I think we kind of uh, covered this one to death. Uh, not a frozen death per se, but <laughs> no. So yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. If for some reason you still want to check it out after we spoiled pretty much on the major, you know, like. Gotcha moments and turning points, right? Yeah. The only thing that we didn't really spoil, aside from some minor things that are not necessarily story relevant, but just fun little character tropes, 
you know, we can't spoil how cute the game looks. I mean, you know, you can go look at that and see, but the art style is really, really cute. Um, and it's, it's, it sometimes, you know, helps to drive home some of that harshness, you know, like you're looking through this, through the sweet mm-hmm. reality of a child and in other ways adds to the fun silliness when there are those moments in the game. And then the other thing is the soundtrack. I found the soundtrack to be beautifully poignant. Um, it matches the tone of the story quite well, and it never feels like it's overstaying its welcome, despite the fact that I don't think there are any or maybe many moments in the game where there's no music playing, but it never overstayed its welcome with me. So, yep. Two thumbs up. Would recommend. I already said that at the very beginning, but after talking about it for over an hour, that's where I'm at. Two thumbs so, up. So, uh, going from childhood innocence to... Uh, intergalactic <laughs> war crimes? <laughs> uh, yeah, for November, we're going to be taking a hard right and playing Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. Woo. Um, I've already been playing this some. Uh, I like it. I don't think it's going to wind up being a contender for Game Club of the Year, but I do enjoy it. Um, because November is... One, two, three, four, five. A five-week month, but mm-hmm. because of Thanksgiving and things, you know, playing something more mechanically focused, beneficial, I think. But yeah, Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, it's on sale all the time um, on Steam and other platforms. If you don't have it already and you want to pick it up and play it, odds are it might wind up on sale at some point this month. You never know. What is it actually? What is it right now? Sins... Uh, well, it's not on sale for once, which I do have all the DLC minus the soundtrack. So, yeah, same. I have all the DLC minus the soundtrack. Um, the game is also highly moddable, so even if you only pick up the base game or only have the base game, you can you can add some mods to it. Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I, I've just got Rim World pretty much modded where I want it after uh, the one point four update. Yeah. But since well, of a Solar Empire Rebellion. discussed mods on this, but eh, all right. For Sins of Solar Empire? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can mod it if you want to. I probably will look at some mods after I played a decent amount of unmodded to get my feet wet. But the mods I'm going to play are, like, there's a good Star Trek mod for it. There's a good Star Wars mod for it. Like, those are probably the direction I'm headed with on mods. Yeah, just looking at the... Uh... On mo- on Nexus mods, the top ones. Oh, there you go. Uh, looks like uh, Eve Online. An Eve Online theme yep. mod. Yep. Oh shit. Sons of New Eden. It's a Eve Online total conversion. Interesting. Gonna have to go look at that later. Well, but- hey, they got they got your favorite ship on here, the giant butt plug. That is my favorite ship. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I'll I'll go look at that later, and we'll talk about that next month. Um, let's do. Do you want to do a discovery queue? Yeah, we could doobly do, unless you are going to turn into a pumpkin on me. Oh, I'm always going to turn into a pumpkin, but it's eleven thirty. I'm still kind of wound up from talking about uh, Beacon Pines. So, actually, before we do a discovery queue, hey Rage, how can people send us stuff or participate in game club discussions? Well, if you wish to uh, take part, you could do so at VGLpodcast at gmail.com. You could tweet us VGL Podcast on the Twitter, 
or you drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, which there's been some interesting discussion about a potential future game club or game clubs. Indeed. Indeed. But for now, let's do something that we haven't done in quite some time, because I frequently turn into a pumpkin. Uh, let's doobly do for Discovery Q. So, and as per usual, I have my queue all ready to go. Of course. And the first thing that pops up is Monster Prom 3, Monster Road Trip. It sounds almost like a roguelite, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Because they talk about different scenarios popping up and different uh, things happening. Uh, but, yeah, there's also a fair amount of DLC for this when it's just recently launched. There's four additional playable characters that you can buy, which I'm not sure how I feel about, you know? Monster Prom is the game that Jesse Cox and his game yes. development studio makes. I know. Well, I mean, I I assumed you know, but in case anyone out there doesn't know. Although maybe yeah. they don't know who Jesse Cox is either. Uh, he, he was the annoying one on uh, the co-optional podcast. Or the annoying one that sh- that were that was there re- uh, repeatedly to annoy Total Biscuit. I like Jesse Cox. Hey, but it wasn't inaccurate. No, he he could definitely be annoying. He's gotten less annoying as he's gotten older. Because mm-hmm. he's in his 40s now, I think. Which, I'm not saying 40 is old, but when he was doing co-optional, he was like in his late 20s, his early 30s. Yeah, I do miss co-optional. Um... But yeah, a co-op narrative survival adventure. (laughs) There's not a lot that really is talked about what this game is on the uh, uh, on the store page. So, Uh, if you're invested in the Monster Prom series, there you go, right? Yeah. So my my first game was also Monster Prom Three, so I skipped that and got. Uh, Gotham Knights. So, uh, Gotham so is Knights. this going to be a warning? <laughs> About what? Gotham Knights. Did you is get the Go- Gotham uh, Knights too? Uh, no, but I've not heard good things about Gotham Knights. I haven't heard anything about it for maybe uh, for better, it well, sounds re- like. Well, remember um, uh, the issues that uh, Arkham Knight had? Yeah. Far, far more. Uh, on the performance side of things. I see. Well, Arkham Knights, this, or Gotham Knights, rather. It says, Batman is dead. A new expansive criminal underworld Dude, has swept the streets of Gotham City. It's now up to the Batman family, Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Robin, to protect Gotham, bring hope to its citizens, discipline to its cops, and fear to its criminals. Um, this says it's an open-world action RPG set in, quote, the most dynamic and interactive Gotham City yet. Patrol Gotham's five distinct bureaus in solo or in co-op mode. Drop in on criminal activity wherever you find it. This yeah. sounds rife for exploitation to me. Oh, pretty much there's been some people that's discussed that this game was going to be essentially games as a service, Avengers style game. They saw Avengers flop and they tried to pivot. Yeah, that's, that's what uh, this looks like to there, me. There's a lot of getting different loot. It's almost like a uh, you know, the you know, dungeon crawler looter style. Yeah. To power up your character. It's just 
oh, it, it could have been so much better, but everything that I've seen, it just is not worth my time. And this is somebody that actually likes Batman. Yeah. Uh, although, to be fair, you know, uh, you know Batman's kind of dead, so uh, he, he pieced out like the queen. Batman is dead. Long live the Batman. Yeah, one review I saw uh, basically said they t- like it's like they took Batman's corpse, ripped off uh, all the arms, and you play as the individual arms, so you never have a complete kit to be able to play uh, in an area. So you constantly either had to switch characters or go into co-op. Yeah. Uh, eh, right. So yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. So uh, from one uh, overexploited uh, franchise to potentially a genre that's been uh, kind of overmined, uh, who's ready for open world survival <laughs> sim? Wow. So this is uh, Stranded Alien Dawn. Only you're on an alien world, so it's not Earth, and it's it has some pretty interesting looking uh, fauna on it. But it's uh, I mean, if you're not into survival builders, right? It does seem like it's uh, you know, there's some legs to it already though, even though it's in early access. The developer is one that's been there for a while. Uh, uh, Hammermont uh, did the Victor Vaughn series. Uh, they did Surviving Mars. They were the developers for Tropico. Yeah. So, yeah, they definitely have, you know, backing. You know, it's not like their, their first foray. It is a very pretty looking game. And they definitely have the kind of the alien aspect. Back down uh, as an alien, as in strange, not alien as in the movie franchise. One of uh, that point home. This looks neat. I mean, oh, and this is a Frontier game. Or Frontier published? Who's yeah. Playing, who's, where's this? Frontier Foundry is publishing it. So I, like, I like a lot of stuff that Frontier makes or publishes or supports, you know, backs, rather. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there is a lot of this style of game out there. So, right. True, but I like a lot of those types of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> I got Settlement Survival. It's a city building. Survivor survival game where the yeah isn't that one on Game Pass as well or am I thinking of a different one that's very similarly named? I'm not sure. Let's look on Game Pass. I've got it pulled up right here. Uh, Settlement survival search. Mm. Oh no no uh, the one I'm thinking of is Amazing Civilization uh, Simulator or Cultivation Simulator. Sorry, It, it basically looks like Rim World. Gotcha. Nope, I mean, this is a city-building management and growth game. You start with a small group of survivors on a search for a new home, uh, manipulate terrain, build a city, plant crops, etc., etc. I mean, you've seen one of these games. You Maybe you haven't seen them all, but you've probably seen a lot of them. But I like this kind of game, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of... Uh, yeah school children in our game club. How about some more school children with Persona 5 Royal? See what I did there? I see what you did there. Oh, I... I 
Is there anything to say about the Persona series at this point? Um, uh, essentially a combination <clears throat> of life sim slash dungeon crawler with usually some sort of uh, fucked up story. I don't know the actual story for Persona 5, so... Mm. I don't and I either. Kinda, and I, I kind of don't want to know the, spo- uh, the spoiler, because, right? Yeah, uh, I don't, Persona I don't know 4, the... it was the built off of like a murder mystery, if memory serves correctly. But it's kind of a time management life sim where you have uh, certain actions that you could only do at certain times and uh, that builds up your character and also your relationship with other characters, which goes into the dungeon crawling aspect of uh, who you could take along and how things interplay. I mean, it's a very unique (laughs) experience, huh? Yeah, I know very little about Persona. I've never played any of the Persona games. I, I, I played a bit of Persona 4, but I never really got past, like, the intro, which was, like, five hours long, uh, whenever I kind of put it down and never picked it back up. But yeah. very over-the-top, high-spectacle. So, yeah, I mean, it's one to definitely uh, grab if you're into this or a game or yeah, JRPGs just in general. Yeah. And it looks like uh, this one has uh, the base game and 40 items that were previously <laughs> DLC. So damn, right? Yeah. A lot of cosmetic stuff pretty much. So yeah. So I got Potionomics. Um, Potionomics looks like a uh, mix yeah. of several things. Looks like there's some, um, uh, a little bit of recipe visual, uh, yeah, a little bit of Reseteer, managing an item shop, um, hiring adventurers, doing some customization. Looks like there's some mini games to it. Um, looks like there's a small amount of visual novel esque storytelling, but uh, it says you've inherited your uncle's potion so- shop and a huge debt. So Reseteer, better get brewing. Customize your store, hire heroes to gather ingredients, befriend or romance, ooh, fellow vendors to learn new haggling strategies, go head-to-head with competitors in this narrative-driven deck-building shop simulator. So that's interesting. 25 bucks. That's a, a bit of a big impulse buy, but yeah, keep a little an eye on it. For that style game, huh? Seems so, that way. I got the Jackbox Party Pack 9. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that there's only nine of those at this point. Uh, true. I mean, I remember seeing the first, ja- if it wasn't the first, it was like the second, maybe. In like the late 90s, uh, in a bo- uh, yeah, box, uh, like Walmart or something. So, the fact that there's only nine, unless they like reset their numbering at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, pretty much if you're into this sort of game, right? Yep. It looks like it has five new games in it as well, so there is that. Uh, I'm not sure if they're continuing the thing where it's kind of hooking into your smartphone as well. uh, For that second screen experience that they did in the previous ones. I would assume so. I I know that they uh, were trying to tie more into Twitch streaming, at least uh, in the last couple of iterations because they found that was a good revenue so right yeah this is a weird one i'm coming to to paste it in indo p 
parasitic. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one pop up and I kind of uh, skipped it. So go for uh, it. This one, this one's weird enough for me to like mention. I don't think I would like this, but okay, this is a survival horror game where it looks like you're a scientist who gets three of your limbs ripped off. Yeah, by... you, yeah, you get one arm and that's it. Yep, and you have to drag yourself around the space station with one arm, fighting off in monst- in infected, mutated monsters, finding vaccines to keep yourself alive, and I guess defeat the plague or whatever and reverse it. But, I mean, the gimmick is you've got one arm, so you can pull yourself around with one arm. It looks like you can interact with weapons and items, but you've only got the one arm, so... You you can shoot, or you can put your gun down and and reload it, or you can inter you know interact. And you're with also a... infected, so you have a time limit as well. Of yeah. Some sort. So it's saying you have to keep injecting yourself with vaccine in order to not succumb to the infection. It's a very it's very weird looking thing. I don't think I would like it, but it's it's just weird enough that I felt like I needed to mention. Yeah, but you also see why I skipped it, right? Yeah. Uh, so I got Coral Island, which is yet another farming town uh, interaction game. I uh, kind of uh, damn it. Now I'm blanking on the uh, one that we played on Game Pass. Uh, the one where you're the uh, inventor. The one where you're the inventor. Where where you uh, you you had like the wood shop? I mean, Porsche. My time at Porsche? Yeah, Yeah, my time at Porsche. Sort of uh, uh, that style where it has a focus on farming, but it looks like it has a greater focus on other areas. I know this is on Game Pass. I've been wanting to play it, so I might bump that up my queue to check it out in the next week or two. It has a more high-def look to the graphics. Which is something that's kind of put me off on some of the uh, of these games lately, where they they look so much like asset flips that I just kind of you know, scroll past. Yeah. At this point. Oh, I see what you mean. That does look like an asset flip. Uh, Coral Island or Coral Island? Yeah. I mean, it does look a little more cohesive uh, than some of the other ones I've seen. But this is published by Humble Bundle, and they have kind of a either really good or really bad games. Yeah. So I'm not sure how I feel about this, you know? Yeah. They had Staxel, which is kind of this style as well, uh, but it was very Minecrafty. Actually, Staxel finally got a full release after who knows how long in early access. Uh, sorry, just kind of... Like I said, this could be either really good or really bad, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. The, the the character art, whatever <clears throat> you're talking to somebody, feels weird though. It feels really out of place. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that they have no shading. And also, yo, uh Frank, uh his uh, neck is way too long. He's like uh, he's like it looks like he got spliced with a giraffe. <laughs> Maybe he did. You don't know. So I feel weird saying this, but Guild Wars 2 like, Guild Wars 2 is extremely old. I didn't even know that it was still playable. But apparently it's on Steam now, and it's free to play. So I'm assuming that it's all the Guild Wars 2 goodness you might have known and loved, with an added layer of microtransaction bullshit on the top of it. 
<laughs> but I remember Guild Wars 2 fairly fondly from, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. So I don't know. I might check it out and see if it's any good in its free-to-play state. I might not. I got a lot of, lot of other stuff and games to play, but felt like I needed to mention it. Well, I got one more. So Warhammer 40k Shooters Blood and Teeth. Basically, Metal Slug meets Warhammer. 2D uh, side-scrolling platformer slash shooter. Shooter. And it looks over the top and fun as hell. Nice. Uh, okay, so this is my last one on my queue. Which feels weird, because you can play this on Game Pass right now. Slime Rancher 2. I actually have this installed through Game Pass, but haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, I never actually got to play the first one, so... Slime Rancher is a cute uh, little Where exploration farming... Right? Yeah, little exploration farming game where you harvest cute little slimes poop to sell, because it's got cool properties or something. Apparently this is more Slime Rancher goodness, but in new locations and with new tools and equipment. Which I'm okay with, especially on Game Pass. I don't, I don't know if this is worth uh, thirty bucks, but I do know it's worth checking out on Game Pass, unless it turns out that it sucks, in which case mm-hmm. I, I won't be able to say that whenever I do eventually play it. But yeah, that's uh, that's well, it I for guess my we each have uh, homework from Game Pass, huh? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know why I said um. um Maybe there was something there, but it went away More so, yeah. coffee. that's that's it for discovery q uh hey rage why don't you uh hit him with them their socials oh i've been caffeine rage and i'm still caffeine rage and i'll probably will still be caffeine rage you can find uh, me over on twitter gaming with cr or you can be my friend on steam caffeine rage there as well how about that and you've been I've been Jared. Although, if you want to call me Susie, you can. That's fine, too. Um, I'm not falling for that one again. (laughs) If you want to find me, you know, you're already listening to the show here. You can follow me on Twitter, if you're not already, at JMA4707. I I participate in tabletop RPG streams. Currently, the only one I'm in is I'm running a Vampire the Masquerade game that sometimes streams on Wednesday nights. Um... You can find that over at twitch.tv slash runicarts. We're nine-ish sessions under this current campaign. I'm expecting it to be about 40 or 50 sessions, honestly, unless they do something real dumb and get party killed or go in a completely different direction. Which seems likely given the, the group of people in my tabletop group. But, you know, you never know. Otherwise, you can be a friend on Steam, send a friend request to jarrethford4707, or you can come talk to me in our Discord group. And, well, once again, if you wish to contact us for the podcast, you do so vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Uh, drop by the Twitter, game... Uh, sorry, uh, uh, it's late, like I say. Uh, vglpodcast on Twitter... Or you could drop by the Discord, which you'll find a link to that and all our other stuff over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. 
Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more for that over at patreon.com slash podcast. And our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. And our discovery key music uh, returns, which is doobly do, also by Kim McLeod, which also can be found at incomprodeck.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye.